Welcome to the Elevate Life Church podcast of the week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit elevatelife.com. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Elevate Life Church. My name's Pastor Keela. If you would stand on your feet, we do something every single time you're here, and we don't let you get by without doing it because you get to say declarations over yourself of what God says about you. So put your hand on your heart, because that means you mean it, and say this with me. I am who God says I am, a child of God, the righteousness of God. I am the apple of God's eye. I am God's workmanship, created for good works, and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Today I open up my mind to receive the word of God so I can think like God, be like God, and do life the way God intended for me to live. Lift up your hands and say this with me. Come Holy Spirit, help me elevate my thinking so I can elevate my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you for being here. You may be seated. Hi, McKinney. (laughs) I just want to say that it's such a privilege to be here with you today. If you don't know me, I've been here for all the years that Elevate Life Church has existed, 18 years, and I am Pastor Keith and Sheila's middle daughter. I am the one that's different. Um, You probably don't see me as much. They keep me away. I'm just kidding. But... One thing that I will tell you is I am so honored to be here because I've been taught my whole life that it's not just about family of origin, but it's about family of choice. And over the last 18 years, you here in Frisco and you in McKinney have become our family's family of choice. And so whether I know you or I'm about to meet you after service in the lobby, because we'll all be out there, I'm so glad that you're in our family. So I'm just going to say a quick prayer really quick, and then we're going to get into the message. Oh, and I forgot. Pastor Keith and Sheila, who are all of our pastors, are actually at Mosaic today, and they're preaching like five services. So let's just give them a hand clap, and just for how amazing they are as leaders in our life. All right, so I'm going to pray really quick. God, I just thank you so much for my family here today that's with me. God, I pray that they would feel your love today, that they would know that you see them, that you care about them, that God, you know exactly where they're at, what they came in with, God, what they're dealing with. And I pray that right now they would feel your presence. God, if they haven't felt your presence yet, that right now in this moment, that they would be open, that they would be willing to hear what you have to say to them today, and that they would walk out of here forever changed with a new perspective from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I had the opportunity to go to Italy about a year ago on my honeymoon. So you're going to see some pictures, and I have an intro video that I did for you because I learned something. I learned about a story that I wanted to share with you today. So watch this video. Hi, Elevate Life Church. I'm so excited to be here with you today and to be in Rome. It's so beautiful here, and I was blessed enough to get to come here. And you know, whenever you go on tours in Rome, or whenever you read about the history, there's a lot of things that you learn about and read about, but there are so many more things that we cannot even understand how it connects to the Bible, how it connects to our faith. And I just wanted to share some thoughts with you today about something that I learned while in Rome. All right, so I'm gonna do that. Is everyone good with that? Okay, great. So like I said in the video a year ago, (laughs) I was letting you know that I really did have no idea about this part of a story. And a lot of you guys might know about Paul. You might 
be Bible scholars and, and know everything I'm about to tell you, but I would just ask you to keep your hearts open because I know for me, God really showed me something in this story and I believe he has something for you too. So the title of my message, and the ushers have notes if you need notes today, and the title of my message today is Your Story Is God's Story. And you know, I was in Rome and, and I'm a researcher, so I don't just listen to what tour guides say or what, I don't know, you know, like you ride in those buses and they have those in-ear things, the headphones. And I don't just listen to what that says. I like to know what happened here. And so the picture that you saw, you're like, why are they showing us a picture of a prison? That's weird. Um, it all has to do with the story. So Mamre Time Prison, I'm going to get into explaining that a little bit later. But really what I came to find out is that Paul not only lived a great life, but he did endings well in his life. And he was able to be faithful with his story for God. And so, you know, whenever I was thinking about this, I was thinking about how in our life, sometimes we think that wins or success looks different than what it actually is. And you know, you can win in any season when you stop asking what, why, when, and how, and you start focusing on the who brought you into the season and who's gonna bring you through that season. Success, more times than not, looks like sacrifice. At least that's what I've learned in my life. And when given the opportunity to sacrifice, we usually battle between two different thoughts. We battle between kind of thinking, can I make sense of this? Does this make sense? Should I do it? Or am I going to just fully trust God? And whether it's from when I was a child and learning to share my toys, or sacrifice there, or whether it's now today learning to share with my husband and all the areas of life that we make little sacrifices or maybe big sacrifices. The thing that I've learned is that sacrifice rarely feels good in the moment. There's never really a time that you're choosing sacrifice and you're like, yes, this feels awesome. But what I can tell you is that you can never sacrifice more than what God's already sacrificed for us. So you never have to wonder or battle in your mind, is this too much? Because God gave us everything we have. We wouldn't be here today, we wouldn't have the breath, we wouldn't have the family, we wouldn't have the life, we wouldn't have the possibility to have a legacy or do anything great in our life if it wasn't for God. So if you're thinking in your mind, is this too much of a sacrifice for God? The answer is, it's never too much. And you know, Paul's life is an amazing example of sacrifice and godly success. I didn't really know the full part of his story, but I, I do know, like most of you, his life didn't start off that way. His life started off that he was known as like a perfect Jew, and he would actually hunt and even kill Christians back in the day. But he had an encounter with Jesus. And when he had that encounter with Jesus, he turned from him creating his own story to then submitting his story to God. And it's just like us today. You know, you're not a robot. God didn't create you to do exactly what he wants you to do. You have a choice in every single moment. And you can either choose selfishness and choose your way, which will only get you so far, or you can choose to really be a person that goes, God, I'm gonna trust you with everything. And we have that same choice that Paul had. We can go our own way, we can go our own direction, or we can trust God with it. Well, 
You know, in Paul's life, once he started to follow Jesus, he then started preaching to other people. He started teaching other people about the experience that he had had. And he went on journeys all over the world. And where he finds himself in the story that I'm going to start off in today is in Acts. And what had happened is that he had brought a Gentile because he felt called, as a Jew, he felt called to not only reach out to Jews, but Gentiles. And if you're not Jewish, of Jewish descent today, hi, I'm a Gentile, so are you. So that's what that word means, the other people. So he felt called to reach out to all kinds of people, not just Jewish people, which was amazing to me. And what happens in this story is that he had brought a Gentile who he had been spreading the gospel with or telling about Jesus into a temple. And the Jewish people got so mad, they literally grabbed him, threw him out of the temple and started mobbing him, started beating him. And then these Roman soldiers, because Rome had overtaken at that time, these Roman soldiers come and they take him away to the leadership in that time. And they're like, what are we going to do with him? The Jews want to kill him. They're calling for his death. And so the leader at that time, Festus, had actually put him in prison for two years at that time because he was like, I, maybe they'll like calm down. Maybe they'll forget about him. Well, they didn't. So they still wanted him to be dead. And basically... Paul goes, I want to go to Rome and appeal before Caesar because he's now a Roman citizen. So he, he asked to appeal before Caesar and I'm sure the leadership of Jerusalem in that area where he was in prison, they were like, thank God, yes, go. Um, and so what you maybe not like haven't connected yet in this story is Paul had already felt called to Rome. Now he had felt called to go to Rome to preach the gospel to people, but he didn't imagine it happening in chains. And so what we see is that he's on his way to Rome. He's with 276 other passengers and these guards, and he's on a ship. Now, that's already bad enough, but he gets shipwrecked. Right before he reaches Rome, he gets shipwrecked off this island called Malta. So they're on this island called Malta. They have already had a very hard journey. It's not fun to be on a boat. They didn't have yachts back then. It was probably pretty gross. And now they're shipwrecked. So that's like another add-on to the story. And he's going and he's gathering wood for a fire. And he's gathering this wood and he gets bit by a snake. You're already in chains. You've already been in prison two years. You're on your way to go to prison again. And you get bit by a snake after getting shipwrecked. Doesn't sound that fun. So what happens is these islanders, if you want to call them that, start going, well, you know what, he probably deserves that. He's a prisoner. He deserves what's coming to him. And how often have we had people do that in our own lives? They see our circumstance and they think, well, you probably deserve what's coming to you, but they don't really know the full story. And so what happens is it says actually in the Bible that he shook the viper into the fire. That's pretty cool because they don't always give you tons of details in the Bible, but the fact that they put this in made me start to think that some of us need to shake off what's tried to poison us and stop nursing or rehearsing the pain. Because along the way in our life, things are gonna hurt us. We're gonna get bit, people are gonna stab us in the back, they're gonna say things, they're gonna do things. And if we are focused on the hurt and not the healing, God cannot intervene. So he shakes the viper off into the fire and the islanders are like, he's probably gonna die soon because that was a really poisonous snake. Well, he doesn't die. So they go from going, he deserves that, to then all of a sudden, is he some kind of God? Who is this man that is among us? So then they start asking him, like, who are you? What do you do? And he starts sharing the gospel with them. And now all the prisoners, all the islanders, his, even the guards are open to the word. 
Which leads me to my first point. Our story shows God's power. Because he got bit by a snake, it actually enabled God to have an opportunity to love on other people, to heal other people, for other people to see his power. What if what was meant to destroy Paul and kill him was setting God up to do his work? And what if the same thing's happening in your life? Okay, well, after this shipwreck, he goes to Rome and he gets put under house arrest for around over two years. And he's chained 24 seven to the Praetorian Guard, which is an elite secret service of Emperor Nero. They didn't have tons of prisons back then. They didn't have like all these places to keep people. So Paul had to actually pay for himself to rent out a place to be held in Rome. So he's under 24 hour guard. Now he knows he has a call in his life to tell people about Jesus and tell people about how Jesus loves them. So what he does, the first thing he does is he does not sit in there and go, I need a nap. I've been on a shipwreck. I got bit by a snake. Like, you know, there's still holes in his body wherever he got bit, right? Like there's still residue. Whenever we get hurt, there's still scars. There's still things we have to deal with. But the first thing he does is he invites the Jewish leadership, the people in that area into his home to start talking to them about Jesus. In Philippians 1, 12 through 14, it says, these are his, his words, brothers and sisters, here's what I want you to know. What has happened to me has actually helped spread the good news. One thing has become clear. I am being held by chains because I'm a witness for Christ. All the palace guards and everyone else knows it. And because I am a prisoner, most of the believers have become bolder in the Lord. They now dare even more to preach the good news without fear. So because of how Paul lived his life, even in chains, they saw how bold he was and how he wasn't fearful and how he was gonna do whatever it took to tell people that God loved them. They started going, well, I can do that too. And that's what happens when you choose to follow God's story and you choose to submit to him. Other people, get bold enough that they go, I can live boldly in my life. I can follow God in my life. Which leads me to my second point. Our story unlocks miracles. Often, we don't really see the miracle happening because we're focused on the wrong things in our story and we end up missing out on what God's actually doing. We're so focused on what we don't like or what we need or what's not happening that we miss out on what God's actually working on around us and in our life. You see, nothing stopped Paul from doing God's work. He had no excuses. In 2 Corinthians 3, 18 through 20, it says, Paul continued to preach in power and in clarity with no restrictions. You know, we're the one that put restrictions on our life. We're the one that puts restrictions on what we're able to do and what's possible because the Bible says, with God, all things are possible. So we're the one that places restrictions on our life. Paul believed that God would make happen what needed to happen and followed him even when it didn't happen the way he wanted it to happen. So even though it wasn't happening how he wanted, he still followed God and he trusted that God would make it happen. Paul wrote in Philippians 4, 11 through 12, I have learned to be satisfied in any circumstance. I know what it means to lack and I know what it means to experience overwhelming abundance. For I am trained in the secret of overcoming all things. Whether in fullness or in hunger, I find that the strength of Christ's explosive power infuses me to conquer even difficulty. The secret of overcoming. The secret of overcoming is understanding that God's power is what gives you the ability to conquer that thing. Sometimes it's your own thought process. It's not even a situation. I know for me, I've been there before where I have to just go, 
I don't know what to do with my own thoughts. I don't know what to do with my own mind. God, help me. It says in the Bible, his ways are higher, his thoughts are higher. That's why we need to let him show us what to do, what to think, and involve his power in our life. You know, God may not always live up to your expectations, but he will always live up to his word. I know in my life, there's been things that I've gone, God, this is not what I expected. This is not what I wanted. This is not even what I had planned. You know, Paul had been in prison before, not that long before this time. And I'm not talking in the time before he was shipwrecked. I'm talking about with Paul and Silas. And what happened there? He prays and he worshiped God and he was, the jail cells were open. Well, he knew what God could do. He could say, God, open the doors. God, redeem me. Take me out of this place. But what he knew was that being submissive and sacrificing for God's plan was going to be more effective than him choosing his own way or expecting God to do something again that he's already done when God wants to do a new thing. You know, Pastor Keith says, it's our job to believe and take action. It's God's job to do the impossible. So we have to actually take action based on what we believe. If you actually believe something enough, you will take action on it. Now the problem is being consistent with that action. Which leads to my third point. Our response to our story reveals God. You know, a prison mentality will always cause you to question your destiny. If you have a mentality that, well, I've been here before, well, why does this just keep happening to me? If you continue to think like that, you will start questioning, does God really have good things for me? Does God really have a good plan for my life? How many times is Paul gonna be in prison? How many times are people gonna come against him when literally all he's trying to do is tell people that God loves them? Before he was killing people and he wasn't in prison, now he's telling people God loves you and he's in trouble. <laughs> Sometimes doesn't it feel like we're trying to do the right thing, but the right thing's not happening? You know, it was his response in the middle of rejection, imprisonment, shipwrecks, and even snake bites that enabled God to be glorified. And it's our response that enables God to be glorified in our story. Can you imagine what it was like being in jail or being held like that and thinking, this is God's greatest plan for my life? What would you be thinking as you experience this situation? What would be your overall attitude? I know for me, I would be trying to understand, God, how are you going to work this together for my good? And one of the things that I've learned in my life is that your response to inconvenience will show if you're following God or if you're following your feelings. You know, about three years ago, I was married to a man that had an affair on me and left me. And I thought to myself, God, like, I don't know if you ever had those real conversations with God, like where you just didn't have any of that, oh, Father, like you're just talking to him straight, which I think if you talk to God enough, you have those moments because he wants relationship with you. He doesn't want like the sugar-coated everything. He wants you exactly how you are. And in my like hardest moment in that season, which I've faced many since then, I went, God, I'd like to see you use this for my good and to do something with this. <laughs> And then after I was kind of like, oh, I'm okay. Nothing's happened yet. But sometimes we let our feelings lead our response instead of understanding that we have a God who is faithful in and out of season. And that sometimes when it looks like the worst things are happening or nothing's happening and he's not doing anything, he's actually doing his greatest work. You know, Paul wrote some of the most inspirational books in the Bible. He wrote over one third of the Bible, but 
Some of the most inspirational books of the Bible we call the prison epistles were written while he was in prison. And that shows you his response to what was happening in his life. These were some of his responses. In Ephesians 4.1, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord. He viewed himself not as a prisoner of the state, but as a prisoner of God and counted it a privilege. Ephesians 6.20, even though I am chained as a prisoner, I am his ambassador. An ambassador was a representative from a, from a foreign land. Paul considered himself a missionary to anyone that he ever encountered or would read his words even today. Imagine the most encouraging and positive things coming out of you during your worst time. That's how God works if you let him. What you've poured into yourself is gonna come out of you when you get squeezed. And that's what I've seen in my life. Not that I am far from perfect, but I know that when I spend time with God, there's stuff that gets put in me that actually God uses in moments that I didn't even know that's why that was there. And I'm gonna show you because Mamertime Prison was not like a cool place to be. So you see this initial picture that they're gonna put up on the screen, that looks nice. Well, that's been like built up over the prison because the prison was actually a dungeon and it overlooked this area, which I'm gonna show you next. So this was the Roman Forum. So this was like the area where a lot of high-level leaders, even Caesar and other people would be having meetings, talking to people, connecting. So the dungeon's right next to this. And Peter, or Paul, I'm sure Peter was actually held there too, just so you know. But Paul, I'm sure, was hearing all of these conversations and all these people walking by. And I'm gonna show you what it looks like where he was held. That hole is where they lowered people into the dungeon. That's the actual one. You can't even, I was talking to Pastor Buddy about this, you can't even actually stand in it, you have to hunch over. And I'm pretty sure it was covered when you're in there so that you don't escape. And I think about that and I think a man like that was so positive and so focused on his calling and so focused on what God was doing that he wasn't even worried about himself. He was writing letters to churches. He was encouraging us even today in our own situation. And he was in a literal dungeon in the dark. We may find ourselves in places that we never wanted to go, but the promise with God is you're never alone. He knew he wasn't alone in that place. In Philippians 2.13, he says, for it is God who works in you both to will, to choose, and to do or act for his good purpose story. You know, a Roman historian once described this prison as disgusting and horrible and by the reason of filled darkness and stench. Paul wrote also during this time, and he said this to us while he was in a place like this. He didn't have that kind of response. He said in Philippians 4, 8 through 9, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Isn't it crazy how we choose what we focus on? In a place like that, he's saying, focus on whatever is true. Focus on something that is great. Don't focus on where you're at right now. Don't focus on what things look like in the natural. This should challenge our thought process in our current situation. Because this story that I'm telling you today is not a story of Paul's ruined life or the dark times that seemed impossible for him. This is a story of what God was doing right in the middle of what looks so wrong. My last point is trust that God is writing your story. What if God's plan looks nothing like how you imagined it? 
And instead of our own success, it's a story of God winning in the face of darkness, not us having outward success. After his house arrest, which I already told you he had to pay for, he's put in this dungeon. And whenever they put people in this place, it wasn't, like I told you, they didn't have prisons all over. So this was a holding place before you were executed. Paul knew once he got into this dungeon where he was going. And this was his response to his protege, Timothy. He said in 2 Timothy 4, 6-7, I am already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure has come. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. In 2 Timothy 2, 9, he said, I am suffering for it. I have been put in chains like someone who has committed a crime. But God's word is not held back by chains. He didn't act like a prisoner. He acted like a victor like someone who was victorious, like someone who knew that God's word is not held back by the physical things. What God is doing right can often be found in the center of when things seem so wrong. But Paul knew that things like this were not about him. Instead, he focused on how God could be lifted up in his situation. In Philippians 1.6, he said, the one who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ. He trusted that God would finish his work. God finishes what he starts. It usually just doesn't happen in the way that we would like for it to. What if we responded to bring glory to God in all of our life and the situations we face? What if like Paul, who didn't concern himself with insults or rejection or snake bites or the, the wrong turns, what if we actually wanted God to use us so much that we were okay with whatever way possible that had to happen. God never said that we would understand everything, but he does tell us that he will give us a peace that passes all understanding and peace will always outweigh understanding. So if you're on the side where you're trying to understand you're in the wrong mindset, that's the flesh. The spirit is, I'm gonna receive the peace while I know God's doing his work. And that's how people look at you and your situation. They go, there's a storm, but you seem peaceful. It's not because you understand. It's because you know who holds your story. You know, Paul did have a plan to go to Rome, but it wasn't in chains and it wasn't in prison and it wasn't to be killed. And we can have a plan for our life and it may be a really good one. It may be one that you think is really possible. But God, if we let him will modify it so he can be magnified in it so that his fingerprint can be all over our lives and what he's done. Paul spent years loving and preaching to the same people and a good amount of them were never changed. How often in your life have you done something and you know it's the right thing and you start to get discouraged because you're not getting the right outcome? Well, one of the things that I've learned is that your life, your success, the great things that happen in, in our life, they're not about us. Everything's about God and his plan. God is doing something great through you, even when it looks like failure in the moment. Paul submitted himself to imprisonment, to hardship, so that he could accomplish the work of God. Paul continued to believe that God was ordering his steps. And you know, after that time that he was held in that dungeon, there were two guards that were sent to him by Nero. And the guards, they obeyed and they went and they told Paul, hey, Paul, we have to take you out of the city and we have to execute you. But before we execute you, can you pray for us and can you baptize us so that we believe like you? 
I think about the time when I was in Rome and I think about all the sights that people tell you to see and all the things that you take pictures in front of. And as I was standing in front of that prison, I was emotional because I came to realize that one of the most beautiful things that I'd ever seen was a man who didn't get upset when the guards that were gonna kill him asked if they could know God too, but he baptized them and he told them about God's love because it wasn't about him. He was submitted to God's plan. So in your life, it might not be a literal prison. It might just be darkness. It might be in your own mind. It might be something that you've caused. It might be something you haven't caused. Can you trust God enough to keep being faithful? Can you trust God enough to know that his story is your story and he has great things for you? You know, after World War II, American soldiers found a cellar where Jews hid and written on the wall was a statement. I believe in the sun, even when it does not shine. I believe in love, even when it's not shown. And I believe in God, even when I cannot see him work. Paul knew that Jesus had been in the same city before the same council, being tried for things that he did not do. He had been there and done that. They were both called blasphemer, heretic, troublemaker. And we have a savior who knows and understands where we've been too. Paul could trust and know that he had been there, he had done that. And Paul had the strength to know that he could also trust his father like Jesus did. What if we trusted God with every part of our story? What if we didn't hold anything back? What if we didn't take control of something and say, well, I just have to know what happens. If you have to know what happens, you're only gonna get so far because God goes way beyond what we could ever dream or imagine. And it's always for the good of those that love him. It might not look how you want it to look, but it will work out for good. You may feel like you're in the dark. You may feel like you're hopeless, but God is with you. He's been where you've been and he knows exactly where you are. And when you acknowledge his power and you acknowledge his presence and you submit to his plan, your life will speak louder than any words you could ever say. Sometimes it looks dark, but we have a light and we don't have to be in the dark anymore. In John 8, 12, it says, then Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light. I think the greatest thing that keeps us from seeing the story that God has called us to have is not the challenges we face, or even what we're incapable of. I really do believe that it's our expectation for God to show up in the way that we want him to, in the time that we want him to, and use us how we want him to that holds him, that holds him back. And I wanna remind you in the beginning when I said this, you can win in any season when you stop asking what, why, and when, and how, and instead you focus on who brought you into and will bring you through it. We cannot have the expectation as a human for God to be a genie that does whatever we want, however we want, and when he doesn't do it, he's not real. In my life, in the worst times, in the darkest times, even when I didn't respond right up front, whenever I actually came back around and I said, God, you know what, I'm gonna trust you. I'm gonna give this to you fully and I'm gonna see what you do with it because I can't do much with it. We can't do much with darkness, 
But with Jesus being the light, it lights up any darkness that we may be in. And when you involve him, his power is way stronger than anything that you could have in your own power. And in my life, I look back at the darkest moments that I was like, God, where are you? And now I see that that is the time where God was loving me the most. He took the things that I wanted the most, the things that I thought were the best for me, and he gave me not way better. He gave me beyond what I could have ever dreamed because it was his story and not my own. And the thing that I'll tell you today is whatever you have in your life is a picture of what God's given you. It's a picture of what he's given you in your hands and you have the choice to give it back to him. You have the choice to let him use his power in your life and write your story. I don't know about you, but I don't wanna be like the rest of the world that goes through hard times and is alone. Because with us, when we involve God, you're never alone. You might not understand, but you will have peace and you're gonna see on the other end that God was working the entire time. In those scriptures that I shared with you, it was all Paul writing or an account of Paul. You know, he says in the Bible, he says, to live is for Christ, to die is gain. That's a man, that is a champion. That he could see past the flesh and understand that there was something beyond it. That it didn't have to be his way because he knew when he gave it all for God, he was only going up. So maybe you're here today and you're one of two people, maybe you're the first person that I'm gonna talk about and you say, well, I don't have that light in my life. I don't know Jesus personally. I haven't had that experience like Paul had where he was able to choose God. Well, you have that opportunity today. I don't want you to walk out of this room not knowing where your story's going or not having the hope and the future that, to know that God loves you and he has a plan for you. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you face. It doesn't matter how you could disqualify yourself. God already chose you and loves you exactly where you are today. And if you're one of those people and you say, I wanna know God for the first time and, or maybe I wanna recommit my life, we're gonna say a prayer together. But then I also have another group of people the group of people that you've tried to take the control back. You've tried to take things into your own hands. I wanna pray for you today because we're gonna give those things back and let God shape our story. And let God have control so that we can see his power and his, his story ultimately lifted up. So if you would bow your heads and close your eyes with me, if you're those people that you're gonna, you're gonna give your heart to God for maybe the first time or rededicate it, I want you to pray this prayer with me, but I want everybody to say it together. Everybody say this with me, say God. Everybody, come on, say God. Thank you for loving me. I wanna love you. Forgive me of the mistakes I've made. Come into my heart, make me new. I want your story in Jesus' name. And if you're one of those other people that you want to involve God in your story, I just want you to lift up your hands like you're receiving right now, because I'm gonna pray for you. God, I thank you for every single person that has their hands lifted in this receiving posture, that God, you would do something right now, that you would show up, that you would help us to know that we're not alone, that no matter how dark things are, no matter how hopeless things are, that God, you do have a plan. And even though we live in an imperfect world and we can't always understand everything, God, you see and you know. And you can give us a peace that passes all understanding. And I speak that over their lives. That God, you would give us that peace. 
that you would help us to know that we can trust you and make you bigger than any problem. We can lift you up higher than any situation and any issue because God, you're more powerful. And in the Bible, it says that you go before us and you not only make the path, but God, you have already created victory that we get to just walk into. And God, we wanna be a part of that. So God, we give up our way. We give up our plans and we choose your way. God, we thank you for the life of Paul. We thank you for an example that we can follow of not a perfect man, but a faithful man who's a champion in the faith that not only gave his life in the physical, but gave his life in the supernatural way before it would ever happen in the physical. God, I thank you that we would be those kind of people, that we would be reminded that with your power, God, your story can happen in our life in a great way. God, that we would walk out of here different. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Make sure to get your copy of Pastor Keith Craft's book, Your Divine Fingerprint, and visit elevatelife.com for other exciting new content from Elevate Life Church.